You're listening to Weekend Recap with Pastor Kent Nottingham. To hear the full message and many more, visit calvarytlh.com slash teachings. This weekend, we're in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and the title is Worse Than Sticks and Stones. And how many of you have heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me? Many of us have been taught that by our parents, and many of us as parents have even said that. But really, it's not very accurate at all, because we live in a world today where words do matter. Believe it or not, they have the capacity to affect us enormously. The damage done by something said can go further and last longer than damage done by sticks and stones. In verse 1, it says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So James starts with the one who flaps their mouth the most, or the tongue the most, and it is teachers. And he's talking about teaching in the church, and he warns us that we shouldn't rush into this kind of role, because teachers will be judged more strictly because they have the capacity to do particular damage to the church. A teacher's words in the church can either convey truth or obscure from truth or deny the truth. Teachers are under a special obligation to not only practice what they preach, but also to ensure what they teach is true. To lead people astray from the truth of God is a very serious matter, and sincerity is not enough. Teachers must be right. So there's this temptation for some teachers to obscure the truth. You know, not talking about sin, talking about a historical belief in Jesus will get you saved, and even at times deny so they can have a larger church or more relevant church. And if the people want more of a social gospel, they can deliver that too. Or a political gospel, they can deliver that too. There are churches that do those kinds of things. And because, as Paul had said, as time is coming, when people will not be into Bible study, they'll want something from the Bible, something about the Bible, but they do not want the Bible. So not all should become teachers. There's a stricter judgment for them. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Well, that's what James says in verse 2 of chapter 3. And how true that is. The person who can honestly claim that he never says anything wrong or out of place, James can consider him perfect. One who can control his tongue can control his entire Body, But I like the fact that James says no one is perfect in this area. Not even a teacher is perfect in this area. Because many times when a teacher can get up there and be telling the truth, but it can be misunderstood. And so that can become a stumbling block to that person. Or the teacher could be delivering truth and it's understood, but it's totally rejected by the hearers of that. So it's good that James puts it in there because there can be those people who misunderstand and there can be those that will hear the truth but reject the truth. But people will judge you, condemn you for the truth that you share. And that's going to happen many times. I mean, even Paul the Apostle talked about in 1 Corinthians how the Jews stumbled over the truth of Jesus being Messiah. So Paul, as a teacher, was not perfect because they stumbled over that. They did not like that. They misunderstood that. And so stumbling is going to happen. No one is perfect. But then James goes into to four different areas that I want to cover with you about the tongue. Number one, the power of the tongue. It says, indeed, verse 3, we put bits in horses' mouths, and they will obey us. And we turn their whole body. And look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great of a forest a little fire kindles 
And so James gives us a, a visual illustration here of the tongue in using horses and ships. And the idea in verse 3 of a bit in a horse's mouth is for control. The small little piece can control a huge animal. That little piece of metal in the mouth of a horse, can you can steer them either right or left or have them stop. A huge animal, it can absolutely be overpowered by something so little. And the same ideas with ships. Actually, one of the largest ships in the world today is the USS Eisenhower. It weighs over 91,000 tons, uh, nearly 1,100 feet in length, a nuclear-powered 280,000-horsepower engine, a crew of 6,100 men and women, and it carries nearly 100 aircraft. It is vast. It is a floating city. Yet all that weight, personnel, and hardware are steered by a rudder that's just a tenth of 1% of the ship's size. The idea is something so small is able to maneuver something so huge. That is powerful. And listen, a small word from the Lord, a verse or two can change the direction of a person in a huge storm or a powerful trial. It can be very positive. The power of your words can be very positive in somebody's life. Or a small word can change the course of a person's life who's walking with the Lord, who no longer is going to be walking with the Lord. James's idea with these illustrations is to paint a picture of how powerful the tongue truly is. I like the story of a group of frogs that were traveling through the woods, and two of them fell into a pit. All the other frogs were screaming at them that you'll never get out, but they kept jumping and jumping and trying to get out. But finally, those, those other frogs kept yelling, you're not going to do it, just stop and die. And finally, one of the frogs just rolled over and he died. But the other frog continued to jump as hard as he could. And once again, the crowd of frogs just yelled at him to stop the pain and just die. But he jumped harder and harder. Finally, he made it out. When he got out, the other frog said, did you not hear us? And the frog explained to them that he was deaf. <laughs> he thought that they were encouraging him the entire time. And what Proverbs, what Solomon says in Proverbs 18, 21 is so true. The power of life and death is in the tongue. No doubt about it. It is a powerful, powerful source. Also, number two, the tongue is a destructive force. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set amongst our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Here's what's going on in our mouths. <laughs> he says it's a world of iniquity. It's evil. The tongue stands out from the rest of the parts of the body with this one distinction. James says a world of evil. The tongue has the capacity for evil like nothing else. Note it defiles. It corrupts the whole body. It's a cancer because every other part of the body is unlike it, and yet every part of your body is devastated by it. Think about it for a second. If you see a beautiful woman with a beautiful face and a beautiful figure, and you go, man, I would really like to meet her, and you walk up, and she starts to talk, and all of a sudden, all this filth and cursing and potty starts coming out of her mouth and you just go oh my and you don't you look at her now and said she's not that pretty she's not that good looking anymore just because of the tongue it affects the whole body she affects her out so you're totally grossed out in many respects when those kinds of things happen listen the tongue is the one muscle of our bodies that we do not fail to exercise thoroughly we don't need a gym membership for our tongue. It gets a constant workout. It's a fire that spreads everywhere. Sparks are constantly flying out of our mouths, spraying in every direction. And then you into a harsh word or our parents to our parents or to our spouse, a word to take someone down, maybe just a dash of exaggeration as we recount, you know, to others another story that's embellished. 
It can all seem so harmless at the time, yet a spark is such a small thing. And yet, what a great force it can set on fire. Just a few careless words, either deliberate or accidental, and the result can be untold damage, not only to the people that you're speaking to, but also to yourself. Think of the careers that have toppled. Jimmy the Greek Snyder, the golfer Fuzzy Zeller, and just recently Roseanne Barr, and even Megyn Kelly lost her TV program. It affected them. Not only it affected others, but it affected them in the same way. Marriages fall apart just from harsh words. Families split over the tongue, all because of carelessly uttering words. And listen, social media has played a huge role in the tongue's destructive force. We put our tongues on a post or we tweet, and there is itching ears on social media to hear something or read something that is sensational. But is it actually true? Because in reality, the potential of it being fake news is very strong. But it tickles our ears enough to post it, to repost it to our friends. You know, James says, Christian, this is not you. This is not you. Also, the third thing is the tongue is uncontrollable. It says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's true. We have trained elephants to play football, dolphins to put balls through a hoop, and even for parrots to sing along to a karaoke tracks, and, and even dogs to deliver our newspaper. So our capacity for training things has no boundaries, yet our ability to train and tame reaches an abrupt halt when we get to the tongue. The tongue just seems to never be tamed, never at all. Someone once said, you have a word on the tip of your tongue, sometimes it's as well just to leave it there. And also, the last thing is the tongue's revelation. It says in verse 9, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. And out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be. So the tongue is something of a spiritual barometer. It should be to us. That should be the revelation to us. It shows us what is really going on inside of us. Blessing and curses from the same tongue. And James has already warned us about being double-minded back in chapter 1. But the tendency is to praise God while cursing some of the people around us. Human beings, in the same way, have the capacity to delight in God and then to curse someone that's been made in the likeness of God. The problem is that many of us don't even notice it. We can sit there and be in the worship service and just worshiping God, just blessing God with our tongues and singing the praises to him. And then we walk out right into the lobby and start talking bad about somebody in the church. You see, it's, it, I have to understand, you're in your home, you're having a fight with your wife or your husband, and you just you start yelling at each other and saying, you're a slob. Why don't you pick up after yourself? Why are you, why are you like this? Why don't you just move out? You know, you're such a slob. And all of a sudden, the phone rings, and you answer it and say, hello, well, praise the Lord. How you doing? What's going on? From the same tongue, we can do blessing and we can do curses. So you see, for the sake of pride, we can control it, but we cannot tame it. James says that ought not to be. Abraham Lincoln said, I would rather remain silent and be thought a fool than speak up and remove all doubt. So is the answer just to be quiet and not say anything? No. Listen, my encouragement to you with the tongue, this is written to brethren. It is grieving when it's damaging to the body of Christ. It's easy to be a critic and tear down and tear down people and tear down things. The body of Christ is not perfect. The church is not perfect. Only those who are immature think it is perfect and should be perfect. 
It's only perfect by the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. That's why the church is perfect in what Jesus did in saving sinners like me and you. That's the perfection. You know, in the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it talked about the temple was the location where God chose to live on this earth. And now today, the church is that temple in us where God has chosen to live. We are called the body of Christ. We make up his body. He lives within the church in that respect. Francis Chan said this, and I quote, We are a part of something much bigger than ourselves, something sacred. And through Jesus' sacrifice, we have been joined to his church. Because of this, we are not only a part of God's sacred temple, but also a part of the heavenly community. Hey, for us as a church, according to what James is talking about in our lesson, let's not throw each other under the bus. Let's don't try to make ourselves look more spiritual at, their, at a cost to them. But let's be the, the kind of church, the body of Christ, that truly does love one another. And with our tongues, we become more of an encouragement, more of a person that brings comfort than one that puts down.